finishing up a series called Inspired. And uh, if you have a Bible or phone or whatever you're reading Scripture from, will you just hold it up and let's ask God to help us this morning? God, we believe that your word has the ability to change our lives. God, your word has the ability to give us, to impart wisdom to us, to give us guidance and direction. Lord, your word gives us the do's and don'ts of life. God, it, it shows us the path that we need to walk on. So, God, I pray as we talk about your word this morning, I pray that, God, inspiration would come off your pages, and, and God, you would just help us to be obedient to your word, and, and I pray that your word would cause change in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so we're in this series on, called Inspired, and basically we, we're learning how to bring inspiration back into your finances. And you may be here this morning, and you may say, hey, my finances have never been inspired, okay? And so if it's never been inspired, we're, we're still going to pray for God to come in there and help you. You know, we pray for God to help us in er all these areas of our lives, don't we? God, help me in my marriage. God, help me raise kids. God, help me in my career. We also need to bring God into our finances. He wants, a, he wants to bless us so that we can be, we can be a blessing. And uh, sadly enough, obviously we have a ton of kids here at Family Life, have a lot of marriages and fa young families, and, and uh, one of our goals is to help families. That's, that's one of our goals. The family in America is disintegrating. It is disintegrating, and our goal is to help strengthen families, to restore marriages. But I learned this. Uh, we don't talk about finances so that you'll give more. We talk about finances because you can't be successful in your family if your finances aren't good. And, and, and they say that uh, communication over finances is the number one problem in families. In fact, I was reading a study last week, and it, the study suggests that 75% of Americans, 75% of Americans don't like where they're headed financially. And you may be one of those. And again, every time I speak, I, I'm never, you know, maybe you're raised in church and every Sunday you got the beat down, the Sunday beat down, right? We don't do beat downs at Family Life, but we want to encourage you because God can help you turn, he can help you turn things around. And so maybe you're one of the 75%. I mean, think about it. In this auditorium, only, that would mean only 25% like the direction they're going. Um, and maybe you're there, maybe, maybe just over the course of time through a series of circumstances, you acquired a bunch of debt that, that you're having trouble with. Maybe you're here and you don't have anything in your savings account. And maybe managing money or even thinking about looking at your checkbook or your bank account, maybe it's a, store, it's a source of stress and worry and concern. So if so, uh, that's fine because God's going to help you turn your situation around. And the Bible is full of helpful hints. The Bible is full of principles that can bring inspiration to your finances and that can help you turn around the direction you're going. Um, I, I've been doing, using this quote from C.S. Lewis the past few weeks. And C.S. Lewis, of course, who was an atheist and gave his life to the Lord while being a professor late, later on, he said this. And he said, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And that, that's true in everything in our, in our lives. And financially, you can't go back and change bad decisions you've made financially. You just can't do it. But you can start today and start making good financial decisions. Then next month and next year and three years down the road, you will reap the benefits of making good decisions. So, so far we've talked about so many biblical principles. We've talked about, you know, saving for retirement. We've talked about 
the dreaded B word, budgeting and making a spending plan. Uh, we've, we've even talked about giving and we've talked about how really the only thing that will increase in your life is what you give or what you invest. So it's very, it's very, very important. And today we're going to finish this series by looking at five things you have to have uh, in, in your financial arsenal, in your financial toolbox to master your money and to become successful in this thing uh, called money management. So we're going to talk today about mastering your money. And these are just five common sense things that are in the Bible that you need to look at your finances and say, do I have these things? You have to have these five things in order to be successful uh, long, long term. And the first one is this, is uh, that you have to create financial margin. You have to create financial margin. Proverbs 13, 11, it says this, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Can you say that? We say little by little. So all we have to do is make, is take little, little steps. We have to, if you save money little by little, if you make good decisions, then little by little, you will get to the place where you're successful. Um, all the, all the studies are kind of depressing so I've, been, I've tried to avoid them, uh, but 76% of all Americans, 76% of all Americans uh, are living paycheck to paycheck. Now, we're, we're, it's arguable, but we're probably the most prosperous nation in the world, and 75% of the people, no, 76%, I'm sorry, 76% of the people are living paycheck to paycheck, which means that at the end of the pay period, they have zero, they have zero in their account. If and if they didn't get their next paycheck, they wouldn't be able to pay their bills. See, what we think is, well, that's not going to happen. I'm going to get a next paycheck. You know, I always thought that too. But Hurricane, we live in Houston, right? I'm like, what's going to shut Houston down? Well, Hurricane Harvey did. You know, we had people lining up here at our church, from our church and outside the church, who just needed help because they couldn't work for three weeks. Their office, their business was closed. Their business was flooded. And so... Um, Basically, what we're saying is margin means, what, what margin means is that after you, get your, after you get your paycheck and after you pay your bills, there's something left. There's something left. If you bring in $4,000 a month, maybe it means you spend $3,500 and you save some. But you have a margin every month that you save every month so that in the event that there's a Hurricane Harvey, in the event that something happens, uh, you can feed your family, you can, you can pay your bills. So margin, margin is the buffer between what you earn and what you spend. And I, many of you know this, but so Tracy and I, we, we, um, we've been married a long time. A long, every time I say a year, she says either you're rounding up or you're going down. No, we've been married 28 years in August. But, um, but uh, we were married at 20. And we got married, I mean, we love each other, we got married, and the bottom line is, we just didn't have any money. We were 20 years old, we were, we were working as much as we could, and we were going to college, and we had no margin. We, there was no, everything that came in went out, and we had to pray because what was coming in wasn't enough for the outflow, right? And uh, I mean, and, and I remember every month, we were, we were doing, we were tithing, we were doing everything we could right, we didn't have any debt. But, man, we just weren't making much, and so, and so that makes it difficult. And I remember praying and asking God, and I want you to think about this, because we pray and ask God for things. 
And then after he blesses us, we don't fulfill our part. Come on now. You need to talk to me. Y'all are looking at me like I'm a crazy man this morning. And I prayed, I said, God, if you will bless us, then my prayer is that one day when we get decent jobs, and I was 20, 21, so we were praying that one day we would get a decent job, right? That we would finish college. If you bless me one day when we get decent jobs, I promise to you that we will not spend it all on ourselves, that we will keep a margin, we will tithe, we'll keep a margin, we'll save, so we'll be able to help other people because I just don't want to live my whole life stressed out. It is so stressful. It is, listen, if you're here this morning and you live from paycheck to paycheck, it is a stressful, concerning, it's anxiety waiting to happen, and, but you can change that. You can make a decision to change that. Uh, you know, we, we offer these Dave Ramsey classes and all this kind of stuff. But you know why? I'm, I meet a lot of people who make a lot of money. I mean, they make a lot of money. And they tell me they don't make enough. The problem is not how much you make. The problem is how you choose to spend it. So to create margin in your life, you have to make some difficult decisions. You have to change kind of kind of how things are going. Let me ask you a question. But we need margin in every area of our lives, right? So let me ask you a question. How many, how many of you show up, for, show up late for things sometimes? Okay, how many, it's not me, but the person next to me shows up late for things, huh? Come on, be, be courageous. Raise, raise that hand, right? We, we have an epidemic of people showing up late for things. One day I was coming down for church and the the worship was just starting, and, and I, I, I double-took because I heard the front door, the greeters at the front door, they were, like, making a wager. And I'm like, well, gosh, this isn't good. I'm like, what's going on? One of them was my son, okay? And he, they were making a wager, and I'm like, what? I said, they said, oh, we have a bet going. And I said, what's the bet? We're, it's an over and under on how many people are going to come through after 10 o'clock. Uh, here's a church does start at 10. Okay, I know some of you may not know that. You may, church does start at 10. And so I would, like, I, whoever wins, just tithe, you know, tithe on your gambling in church, you know. And uh, so I was, curi- I was curious. And so after service, I went and talked to them, and I said, who won? They said 157 people came in after 10, 157 people. One day I was looking at the, you know, we have video cameras in the church in the hallway. One day I was looking at something, and we got to, from 10.05 to 10.15, it looks like revival going on. People are running in, bringing their, dragging their kids. we got to get you checked in. Holy man. So the reason is we don't have margin in our schedules. Here's what we do. You do it, and I've done it too. If you have to go somewhere, how long will it take me to get there? And you think on a positive note, if I catch every light green... And if I go six miles above the speed limit, I can get there in 15 minutes. So that 15 minutes, it, it really looks more like 22 minutes, right? Yeah, that's what it, it looks Because how many of you know that the problem with, with thinking everything's going to go perfectly, margin is there to catch life when it doesn't go perfectly. Life never goes perfectly. There's always going to be traffic. There's always going to be red lights. You're always going to get stuck behind that one person who has nowhere else to be in life. Oh, man, I was, I, I do, the Lord does that. The Lord's been, I've never prayed for patience, okay? I've never done that. 
It doesn't matter if I pray for it or not. God gives me opportunities. We'll be driving. We were, we were driving on some country roads one time. And, and, and the speed limit's like, it's 55. I, I, was, I tried to round up. It was 55. And this person in front of me is doing 45 miles an hour. But I can't pass because there's cars coming. There's cur- it's driving me nuts, man. And Tracy's like, are we in a hurry? And I said, yes. I don't know why, but we're in a hurry. I cannot drive for an hour behind this cat. Double down on your seatbelt. We're fixing to pass this person, you know? Margin is there to catch all of the unexpected things in our life and to keep us from having stress. How many know that God does not want you to be stressed out about your money? He wants you to manage your money in a way to create margin. And, you know, he doesn't, he does, what happens if you don't have margin, what happens is you have to uh, borrow money from somebody, you have to put it on a credit card. If you don't have margin, what happens is uh, you end up being in debt and just really, really uh, stressed out. So when it, when it comes to our, our money, our monthly budgets, something always catches us by surprise. I mean, we, even, even if you budget, there's something every month that catches you by surprise. A car breaks down. You know, it's like people tell me, I, the devil is attacking me. Why is the devil attacking you? My car broke down. You know, how old is your car? Well, it's 13 years old. <laughs> well, you should have been thinking about that, you know? You should have been thinking about that. Or, or you come in and, and uh, your, your kids come in from school. How many know that when your kids come in from school, I used to always hide because they always want something? There's, man, there's always something, right? There's money for the band. There's money for sports. You know, there's, there's money for, uh, uh, you know, field trips, so on and so forth. When you, when you plan margin to your monthly budget, it, it really brings, uh, you know, a sense, a, sense of, uh, a sense of relief. And, uh, you know, I don't, I, I probably shouldn't tell my family this, but, you know, every month I have five to $750 in our budget that, that, that's margin. It's a line item because I know. I don't know where it's coming from, but I have two kids in college, you know, and I know it's, I know it's coming from somewhere. So here's the deal. We talked. You have to, if you want to create, I'm going to tell you how to create margin right now, and you're probably not going to like it, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you how, okay? Is there, there's four things you have to have. There's four things you absolutely have to have. So you start with the essentials. You have to have a house. You have to have a place to live. Uh, you have to have transportation to get somewhere. You have to pay your utilities, and you have to buy food. He said, Terry, why isn't giving on there? Well, I, I, the Bible tells us that we need to give. We're encouraged to give. We're supposed to give. But you, if you want to choose to be blessed, you don't have to give. But you cannot get around these four things. You have to have a place to live. You have to have transportation, utilities, and food. So now this is not popular, okay? This is not popular, but, so don't get mad at me. After that, you have to draw a line in everything that is non-essential for your life. You have to cut it cr- to create margin. And you say, well, Terry, you're no fun. Well, I, I, I've been told that before, you know. But I'd rather not be fun and have money at the end of the month than be s- stressed out because I've spent something on stupid stuff. And so, I mean, I mean, think about all the things. We don't have to buy coffee at Starbucks. Now, I just lost 30% of the congregation right there. You don't have to buy coffee at Starbucks, right? You don't have to have the NFL ticket. You don't have to have cable. I mean, there's so you don't have to go on vacation. You don't have to overspend on your kid. There's so many things that you don't have to have. So what you do is you put the essentials in, in your budget. You create margin. 
And as you get ahead and start saving, you can always add things in. But see, so many people don't even have spending plans, and they're just spending, and, and you, you'll never get ahead if you don't know where your money's going. You have to, we, remember we talked about this, that God requires us to be a good steward. He requires us to be a good manager. The better manager you are of what God blesses you with, the more he's going to give you to manage. Amen? It's just the way that it goes. And so the next thing, so you, you, have to, you have to create margin. second thing is you have to control impulse spending. Oh, I love this. This is exciting. How many impulse spenders do we have here? That's it? Really? How many, how many of you, the per, you're not an impulse spender, but the person next to you may have issues? No? Yeah. We have, well, gosh, guys, guys whose wives are in here raise their hands. What a, what a wimp. What a wimp. Proverbs 21.5, all this is in the Bible. The plans of the diligent. Say diligent. The diligent is somebody who makes plans. The plans of the diligent uh, lead to profit. That's margin. As surely as haste leads to poverty. Haste, that's the same word as impulse. If you, if you spend money impulsively, if you do anything impulsively, it's trouble. Any, you quit your job impulsively. I mean, you, we're, we're supposed to have a plan. We're supposed to think about things. Creditcard.com did a survey and found that 84% of the people they, that were in their survey admitted to impulse shopping. 84%. People bought things they did not need, mostly for themselves, on the spur of the moment. And, uh, and, and so this is interesting. Uh, they, they asked them, they, they, what was great about the study is they figured out why people overspent, why they impulse shopped. And there were three things that they admitted to. First of all, they said that, that their emotions triggered them to purchase something. I mean, how many of you know that your emotions control how you spend the money? I mean, one time my wife sent me to the store with a list of three things, and I, had, I hadn't eaten all day. I came back with 23 things. She said, we don't need that. I said, I did in the store, man. I was hungry. Eat before you go grocery shopping. That's the, that's the trick on that, okay? But people... Sometimes if they're depressed or discouraged or down, they try to spend to make themselves feel better. Some people, if they're happy, they, they spend. So happy, sad, depressed, tired, they went on a shopping spree. So their emotions, so our emotions, that's, that's why you have a spending plan. Because if not, our, how many know that we've talked about this, your emotions lie to you? It's usually not as bad as you think. It's usually not as good as you think. It's usually somewhere uh, right there in the middle. The second thing, they impulse shot because they didn't have any plan. They didn't have a plan for where their money was going, so they had some money in the, in the account, and they just, uh, you know, they just, they just went with it and spent it. And they had no long-term financial goals. I mean, one of the best things that will help you to manage your money well is if you have a dream in the future. You have a dream that you're, that, that you're shooting for. I, this is no lie. I had um, one of my, one, Trace and I had a friend, and we had a, a couple they were our friends and the wife had a spending problem now good thing for them her husband made a lot of money but he would he made a lot of money but he was a tight wife she's overspending overspending and so he said i'm gonna take your credit cards from you if you don't quit spending so she got a bowl and filled it with water and she froze her credit card in the middle of a block of ice and I was like, well, does it help? She's like, yeah, I mean, I've got the ice pick out, and I'm picking. Usually by the time I get to it, I'm okay. Oh, I'm okay. I am over it. I, 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 had, I got over it a little bit. So 
So uh, you have to have margin, you have to control impulse spending. Number three is you have to, you have to enjoy your successes. And I want to say this, we're trying to bring balance into our finances. And so it, once you start turning things around and you've done good for six months, do something to reward yourself. I mean, don't spend everything that you've, you've, you've done, you've saved, but how I many know that can we reward ourselves without breaking the bank? We can. I mean, if you've decided we're not going to eat out, we're going to save all that, and you don't eat out for six months, go out to eat one day. Reward yourself. See, I think the, one of the reasons that things don't work is whether it's a diet or a workout program. We start a workout program, we say, I'm going to work out one hour a day for seven days a week. How I many know if you haven't been working out at all, that's not going to happen? You're doomed for failure. And, but what if you say, I'm going to start working out three days a week? And then you take it up a little bit. And, and so, again, we're, we're not, trying to, not trying to ruin your life. We're, we, we want you to, basically what I'm saying is, I don't want you to save every penny you make and never have any fun, and then one day you die without, without being able to use it. We're just trying to create balance in, into our lives. How many know that balance is a very good thing? I'll never forget reading this story. It was about four or five years ago I read this story. It's a true story. There was a lady who, um, she died at like 80, 85 or 86 years old. And this lady, they, everyone thought, her kids thought she was a pauper. I mean, she lived in a one-bedroom, a one run-down apartment. And her kids went in there to get her stuff after she had died. And they found in her mattress, this is a true story, $850,000 in cash. I, I just wonder if that was a comfortable bed or not, you know. $850,000 in her mattress. And so I, I, th I thought about that. It's like, man, think of, she could have done some good things for her family. She could have enjoyed time with her family. If she would have got a professional investor, that $850,000 would have looked more like three or $4 million over time. But she, she kind of got paranoid. So she died with all this money. And, and what's going to happen to it? Well, her, her, her kids are going to spend it, right? So she should have done some of that along the way. So we, obviously we don't want that. But, uh, but usually I think many times today, most people struggle on the other end. They're not, they don't have $850,000 cash in their bed. They don't have anything in their bank. But they're spending uh, like they do. So, so as you begin to make progress, you just want to reward yourself. But don't reward yourself every day or every week. A friend, of mine, a friend of mine started a running program. And I said, I said how are you, how's it going? He's like, well, pretty good. I was like, well, how, he's trying to lose weight. Have you lost weight? He's like, man, I haven't lost a pound. I was like, well, well how's your diet? He's like, oh, my diet's incredible. I said, really? He's like, he's like, yeah, except after I go on a run. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, I hate to run. So I tell myself, if you run a mile or more, you get a bowl of ice cream. I said, every time? He said, yeah. I said, well, how much you weigh? And I figured out how many calories you burn, burn on the mile run and how many calories was ice cream. He was at a deficit. I mean, he was taking in more calories. To, so I was like, why don't you change it to reward yourself once a week? You, you see what I'm saying? It's like we really in America we have, the, the, this is not politically correct now, we have a spirit of entitlement. Like we deserve something because we work hard. Well, we do. Everyone's working hard. We're working hard. But you want to have something left at the end of your life. You want to have something left, and that's, that's uh, creating margins. So build, you build margin into your finance. You cut out impulse spending, and then reward yourself occasionally. And the fourth thing is this. We need to develop a big-picture mentality. And so many people have 
just a today a present a present mentality, and they don't they don't have a long term mentality. Proverbs twenty seven twenty three through twenty four it says this: Be sure to know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever. Hey, isn't that true? Do you know that they've done studies? And most families who had millions and billions of dollars, their kids lost it. Here, and the next thing, 80% of people who are millionaires today in our country, they're first generation rich, which means they start out just like all of us with anything, and they, they, they learned how to manage money and how to save money. And, and so riches don't endure forever if you don't know, if you don't know how to manage it. And a crown is not secure for all generations. So it's talking about flocks and herds, and basically that was their asset. So what this is saying is we didn't, know, we didn't know the condition of our assets, what we owe, what's in our bank accounts, you know, what's going on. We need to have basically a big picture uh, thought about that. And, and I, I, I made this quote at the beginning of the series, I'll make it again. Mo, the problem is most people live in the day instead of for the day. And so when we live in the day, we're so busy that we're, all we can see is today. I get the kids here, I got to go here, I got to help here, I got to do this, I got to do this. And we live in the day. When you live for the day, today impacts tomorrow. Today impacts next week. Today impacts next year. The decisions we make today affect us, uh, impact us in, in the future. And if, if you think about it, we, we plan most areas of our lives, don't we? I mean, we have college students in here today that they're working hard on a certain degree so that one day they can get a job in a certain area. Right? Well, why are they doing that? Well, they have a plan. They want to be a nurse. They want to be a doctor. They want to be an engineer. They want to do something. So they're getting, they're training in that to do something. We plan vacations. We plan schedules. We plan so much, but sometimes we never plan uh, with, with our finances. We never have anything, uh, you know, to shoot for. In week one, we talked about having a dream that inspires you to live differently. I think this is so important. I, I told everyone, think about what would you do at a certain age in your life if, if, you, if you were good with your finances? What, what would you choose to do? And some people would choose to keep working. Uh, some people might do a short-term mission project. They like to take short-term missions projects. Some people would like to live on a lake and drink coffee. You know, just get up every day. I was one time, one time I was, I'm not going to lie, I, was, I had a rough day and I was a little, my head was just kind of discombobulated and, and uh, Trace, I was watching a show on TV, and Trace said, are, are you depressed? I was like, no. She said, are you discouraged? I said, no. She said, what are you? I said, I don't know. So I'm watching HGTV. And it was about, these people were, were it was, I got on a series of shows, I watched three of them in a row. I sat there for, an, I don't know, 30, three 30-minute 30 segments, and they were buying islands, like just out in the middle of nowhere. And I, I told Tracy, she's like, I said, we could do this. We could do it. I said, look at that island. We could save up. We could buy an island. Out there in the beautiful ocean with God and stars, no internet, no telephone, no people. That's awesome. <clears throat> and so I, Tracy, I mean, she didn't want to play along. She was really kind of a killjoy. She's like, well, I'm not going on that island with you. <laughs> okay, then me and God and the stars, right? But you have to have a dream. Uh, you know, what would, what, would your, what would you like to do one day if you didn't have to? If you didn't have to work, if you were financially independent. And, I mean, there's so many things. You can keep working. You can volunteer for places. There's so many things. But I think getting a, a long-term picture 
We have to have a dream that drives us to live differently today. We have to have a dream. What could we do? What could we do if, if we, we managed what we had good today? And then, of course, the last thing is this, and this is kind of the key to things, but you, you have to save money. You just have to save money. Proverbs 21, 20, it says, The wise store up choice food and oil, but fools gulp all theirs down. That's tough, huh? Wise people save. They, they have extra. They have choice food and oil in their house. They have enough. They have an abundance. But fools gulp all theirs down. What does that mean? They just they spend it all. They just they, they, they destroy it. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8, it says this, Go to the ant, you sluggard, and consider its, its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers food at harvest. All the financial experts, both Christian financial experts and, and non-Christians, they say three things that you have to save for three reasons. First of all, for emergencies. We're talking about margin. Because something is going to happen that you don't expect. Something is going to happen that's going to be unexpected. And then you should save for purchases. Uh, that, in other words, uh, this is a new thought for America. You should actually save up to buy a couch. You should save up to buy a refrigerator. Yeah, but Terry, they have 60 days no interest. They do. They have one year no interest. And you know what happens at the end of the year? It, it, at the end of the year, they charge you 26% interest. I, I checked it out one day. So I was curious. We went in to buy something, and, and we, were, we were buying it outright. And so I asked the salesman, I'm like, how many, how, many people, how many people actually pay it off in the time they're given? He said 5% of people. So 95% are going to pay that. So that refrigerator, you know, costs a, if it costs $1,000, and then it costs more. So they're, it's going to... The day they're late, it's, now it's $1,260. So if it was a $2,000 refrigerator, it's going to be more like $1,700. Anyway, uh, I mean $2,700. So anyway, a lot of things. So save for purchases, and of course save for long-term uh, retirement for savings. So in order to save money, you have to separate the have-tos from the want-tos. This is very interesting because when a husband and wife talk, they have different have-tos and want-tos. One thing for a wife may be a have-to, but for the husband, it's a, it's a, it's a, let's just be honest, it's just not necessary, right? Guys, you, gosh, I'm by myself today. I thought the men in our church had courage. Come on. And it, it's, it's the same, it's same for ladies. So you, you have to, you have to bring them all, all, you know, you have to bring them together. So, uh, you know, th these are the things that you have to, there are things that you have to have within things that are fine if you have extra, but. Again, to say you just got to cut unnecessary spending, live, basically live like you don't have credit cards to fall back on, live like you don't have family to fall back on. And, and really what we're talking about, for a household to do this, the husband and the wife, they have to come together. The husband, that bottle just gave him heck, didn't it? Side, I lost this side of the congregation, they're playing kick the bottle over there. I just addressed the elephant in the room. Everyone's looking over there. Um, but we, we, have, we have to bring them, bring them together. So husbands and wives, you have to, to make concessions and, and, and come together. And uh, if you're going to be successful uh, with your finances. Now, so 
let's wrap this thing up. In this series, we've talked about all these principles that you and I both know, if we do them, we'll be successful. If we do these, we'll be successful. We won't be stressed out. We'll have extra money. We'll be able to give. We'll be able to retire one day. You know, there, there's things that, there's blessings, but, but the majority of you in here today are not going to do it. You say, Terry, don't be so negative. No, I, I've, I've, been, I've been teaching congregations for, for a long time, and a lot of you, it goes in one ear and out the other. Uh, some of you are going to do it, and it's going to make, it's going to have incredible repercussions for your life. Um, I have one pastor friend who says this, but he says, the problem in America is that we're educated way above our obedience level. Which means we know what we need to do, we just don't do it. And so I wanted to close this with this verse this morning. It's in James chapter 1 and verse 22, and it says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So in other words, don't just, don't just, don't just listen to all these scriptures and principles that we've been talking about. Don't just listen to it. Actually put it to use in your life. Sow these seeds in your life so that you can reap a harvest when you need it. I believe this. I believe many times God blesses us and we spend things rashly and God gave us this stuff and we would have had enough for when we needed it except that we mishandled it. Would you stand with me today? I have the worship team coming up this morning. Would you take just a moment and again, again the whole thought is it doesn't matter what you've done in the past but today, today, what are we willing to do today? What are we willing to do this week to change how we view money, how we see it, how we spend it, how we manage it, how we save it? Would you just take just a moment and just, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and just have a real moment and, and just get some guidance from the Lord this morning? Father God, we come before you this morning. And what I want to do with all heads bowed and eyes closed, we, and it's just between you and God, it's not to embarrass anybody. If you're here this morning and, you know, maybe you're here and you're in a bad financial position and, uh, you know, it doesn't even matter why you're there. You're there right now. And, and you're saying, man, I, I'm willing to do these things. I'm willing to make baby steps toward this. And I just want to pray for God to come into my finances and just, just help me out this morning. Would you just raise your hands? And again, God is gracious, he's merciful, and I just believe that he wants to help us when we give him areas of our life that we're, that we're struggling with. God, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we just pray for all of these families here this morning, God. Lord, everyone here this morning who, Lord, just, just may be struggling financially, and God, I just pray right now I just pray right now that you would come into their situation. God, I pray that you would come and lift them up, that you would encourage them. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom and creativity on, on even ways to save money, on ways to, to cut expenses, God. And again, the whole goal, God, is to bring balance into our lives. Lord, we want to be blessed. We want to be able to give and help people. We want to be able to have abundance, God. And, 
And uh, so we ask you to do this in our finances. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.